Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's Word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so that you can trust the sufficiency of Scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Welcome back, everyone. Today's episode is called The Content-Driven Life. And this name is sort of a play on that wildly popular book, The Purpose-Driven Life, 20-something years ago. And just, I'll actually confess that that book actually was pretty transformative in my life. I grew up in the Catholic tradition, and I read that book and began to understand God's purpose, which was, which was amazing. That led me on a journey to Christianity. But today, instead of purpose, that is Christ-centered purpose, driving lives, we're talking about lives driven by content the content that is fueling and driving so many young people's lives. And I should not have to clarify this, but I will. It is our children, our adolescents, our young adults, who are the primary victims of the terrible consequences which come from a content-driven life. While we cannot possibly cover the breadth and depth of the content and all of its consequences, we do want to have a discussion about how much the content that we consume and that our young people consume is defining and shaping their lives. Absolutely. So today we're going to look at a content-driven life through the lens of scripture. Now, Kelly, I don't really think anyone else is doing this right now, so I think this is kind of unique for our listeners. Um, However, we should begin with defining our terms. So content is anything that's posted online in public spaces and it's intended to be viewed by other people. All content has the potential to be neutral, positive, or negative, depending on the worldview and the heart condition of the person who's consuming that content. Now, most of us would broadly agree that child sex abuse material is negative. However, there are some whose worldview and hearts are just so skewed and bent on evil that they view child sex abuse material as positive. It's saddening, it's sickening, but the reality is that there wouldn't be so much child sex abuse content on the internet if there wasn't an audience for it. In fact, an audience who calls it good. So with that said, the content-driven life is a life that is overly concerned with or reliant on media content, whether that's through producing content. So for example, making TikToks, posting pictures, streaming video games, or consuming content. That would be watching those TikToks, scrolling through those pictures, or playing those video games. And of course, these are not mutually exclusive. It can be a heavy mix of both creating and consuming. But ultimately, the content-driven life is one of destruction. And what we want to consider is how the content-driven life is most often filled with negative influences and how this disrupts the hearts of our young people and in turn, their behaviors. Right, right. So we see young people all around us falling apart at the seams. You can't watch the news, look at social media, anything, read a headline without this coming up, the mental health crisis. We see drug abuse on the rise among young people. Sex work is being normalized, right? Essentially, no biblical worldview is there to ground them to reality. And it's just a free-for-all. And the one thing that all of these young people have in common is that since the beginning of their adolescence, they have lived a content-driven life. One of the reasons we really want to talk about this specifically is because of the growing amount of social contagions that are infecting the lives of so many young people. Now, these social contagions, they're spread through online content. And when one's life is driven 
by the content that they see or the content that they create, it's not hard to see how the problem of negative content, how that is spreading like a virus. Now, a social contagion, let's define this. The American Psychological Association defines it as the spread of behaviors, attitudes, and effect through crowds and other type of social aggregates from one member to another. But I tend to like the Oxford definition a little bit better, and it states that a social contagion is the spread of ideas, attitudes, or behavior patterns in a group through imitation and conformity. This is as easy as words spreading, like why is bussin a new slang word? Like where did that come from? Why is everybody saying it? That's just as easy as, that's a social contagion. Why does everybody do the same kind of hand moves? Like the dab was popular at one point. All of these things just grow through online and through imitation and conformity. All of a sudden, young people all over the country are doing the same exact thing. When we objectively look at online content and it's endless possibilities of what it can be. And when we consider the algorithm, which if you listen to the podcast regularly, you know that ultimately it is that algorithm that chooses what content is elevated, that chooses what content is silenced, and it chooses what content each individual actually sees. When you consider this in light of what we just read about what a social contagion is, this spread of ideas, attitudes, or behavior patterns It's not hard to see how a content-driven life is going to be bent towards popular, whatever's made popular, social norms, and away from Christ. So let's walk through a few popular examples of social contagions that are rampant among adolescents whose lives are driven by content. Um, So first, there is emotional contagions. This is where an emotional state, whether it's positive or negative, it's spread amongst a group of people. I mean, this could be as simple as having a few positive and enthusiastic people at work and they naturally just kind of like raise everyone's spirits. But it could also be a negative person, a volatile person who can just lower the morale of an entire group. And I think that we see that in groups online too, where you have groups that like tend to all want to be depressed together. They all grow in these same sort of emotions as this as an emotional contagion. You kind of find that community that you can identify with whatever emotion you're feeling. That's totally true. Yeah. Um, There's another contagion, um, a behavioral contagion. And this would be when we see like online challenges get really popular. It could be a stunt. It could be, remember, you guys remember the Tide Pod challenge? And everyone was like, why would you eat a Tide Pod? Did we not, did we not raise you differently? (laughs) But that was the challenge, you know? Um, It could be a dance. Do you guys remember when the floss was super popular and you'd see kids like standing in line at the grocery store with their parents and they'd be flossing behind them? It could even be behaviors that are kind of like altruistic, like the ice bucket challenge that raise awareness for ALS. uh, It's interesting. A Psychology Today article aptly notes that where social contagion processes become problematic is when there is a spread among people of harmful behaviors. And Kelly, I think as Christians, we just need to step back and we need to see like everything that we're talking about is in the context of sickness. It went viral. It's an epidemic. It's a contagion. Mm-hmm. And what is our greatest sickness that we have? Sin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it is interesting how we use such almost medical terminology. Right. When we talked about that, that it's infecting people. <laughs> no, it's true. Like, and that really should just, that should really give us pause for concern. Yeah. Like, that is what a, am I yeah, being infected with? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And you had just, you know, said that Psychology Today article. Um, about what, uh, what is harmful, like 
the, the, what's concerning is when it becomes harmful behaviors. Well, I think we also have to ask, how is harmful defined? Because mm-hmm. we at Brave Parenting, we're going to define harmful as anything that draws our hearts away from Jesus, anything that shifts our worldview off of the truth of Scripture. But this is important that we recognize that harmful is going to be defined differently by different groups of people. Because the world is not going to consider a lot of the social contagions out there harmful. You know, instead, they, they wrap it in these arguments of PC words such as justice and equality. And I'm not going to get too far into that. But it just goes back to the fact that positive, negative, you know, and neutral content is defined differently by everyone. But negative content exists because there are groups of people who don't deem it negative. That is where the worldview comes in. But nonetheless, there is no denying that social contagions, whether they be positive, neutral, negative, they are dictating the lives of young people. And especially because that content-driven life keeps you consuming, consuming, or being infected or infected, it makes you so much more susceptible to those social contagions. You're totally right. And I think it'd be a good idea to kind of look at some of those social contagions some of the ones that are really popular right now among our kids. Um, so we've got extreme dieting. Uh, that's, those are, those, you can find those communities in TikTok. Um, the algorithm pushes the girls into extreme dieting. That can be anorexia, bulimia, body image issues. There's self-harm communities. Um, that can be cutting. It could be drug and alcohol abuse or even suicide. And then there's, there's over-consumerism purchasing every new trending item. Maybe that's you know fake eyelashes. Maybe it's a $300 purse. You know, I kind of think we could even argue it's the purchasing of like virtual outfits for video game avatars. Yeah, I think that's one that's really understated. We don't necessarily like think that overconsumerism is a problem. We talked about that when we talked about TikTok, about how much that can totally overtake someone. That is a social contagion, a feeling like a sort of keeping up with the Joneses, buying everything in order to make it look like you have it all. And it's materialism. And materialism is an ideology connected to secular humanism. And secular humanism says, you know what? This, this material world is all that there is. So you just got to have enough of it. And, and then that's all you've got. And that, that's pretty pointless. It's pretty hopeless, isn't it? Um, and then the last one that we want to talk about is transgenderism. And we can't, like, we can't not include this, right? Because young people today are convinced by the social contagion that if they don't identify as a letter within the LGBTQ plus spectrum, that they simply just don't exist and they certainly don't matter. And this is immensely harmful in that children and teenagers are being chemically and surgically sterilized and they are being mutilated under the false belief that gender is a choice. So these are some of what we would consider some of the most harmful social contagions that are out there and they're caught through online media consumption. Let's just talk about this, a few of these for a minute, because, you know, you mentioned extreme dieting and you and I have been sort of riveted by the new Dove Beauty campaign commercial that is available. And you may have seen this if you're on social media. I've seen a lot of people share it. Um, so it's, it basically highlights this social contagion of extreme dieting, anorexia, bulimia, the eating disorders, and it depicts the reality of what that looks like better than any words you and I could ever use to explain it. I absolutely agree. If brave parents, if you have not watched the Dove Beauty commercial titled Mary Story, I I would encourage you to actually just pause us right now and go find it on YouTube 
Um, if not, we're going to link it in our show notes so you can watch it afterwards. But yeah, I, haunted is a good word. I suggest you grab a tissue before <laughs> you watch it. I, I went into it without a tissue and it was a little bit of a mess. Um, but, so I don't want to ruin it or anything, but it shows real pictures uh, and videos of a young girl named Mary and she's full of life and they show her what appears to be around her 12th or, bir- 12th or 13th birthday opening a smartphone as a present. And then real footage that sort of shows her demise because she starts living a content driven life that led her to an eating disorder. And yes, this video haunted me. You know, it also inspired me, but it haunted me because it's so powerful in the sad truth of how social media is destroying the image of young girls. And it inspired me because it reminds me, this is why, this is why you and I, Chelsea, this is why so many other ministries and organizations, why we labor to spread this message that the, the online content driven life is not good. You know, and this is, it reminds me also that this is why I fought so hard for my children's hearts and minds and withheld social media for some, you know, for some age after 16, because it is super hard to say no. It is super hard to listen to your teenage daughters cry about missing out and having no friends because they don't have social media. But then I watched this video and I thought to myself, that mom is going through the same hard, different hard, but it's hard. It's hard nonetheless. And I would rather be on my end of hard. I would rather bear the burden and the pain myself of saying, no, no, you're not getting on this online content at, at age 13. You can't handle that. And it's because it, it is, it's hard. No matter what you do, it is hard to be a parent right now. So whether you're watching your kids fall apart mentally, emotionally, physically, uh, developing an eating disorder, they're starting to cut, they're starting to believe they're the opposite gender, all because of the content they're consuming online. All of that is hard. It's going to be hard if you allow it, and it's going to be hard if you withhold it. I like what you said. It's like it's my job as the parent to 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 be the one that sacrifices, that gets you know driven to the edge, and is you know I, I yeah because that's what it is. That's what we're supposed to do as parents. Like we don't appease their flesh, right? Like we have to we have to stand firm. We have to hold fast to the confession of our hope. And this is why I counsel, right? This is my greatest joy in counseling is to see the women that I work with experience the transforming grace and love of God. And then they're able to walk in the freedom that Christ died to give them. I have wept tears of joy when I hear things from my counselees like, it doesn't have the power over me anymore. And that it, it could be deep hatred for her body. It could be poor relationships with others or deep anxiety. To hear those words it doesn't have power over me anymore. It makes every single second worth the cost. But a lot of the times when I'm sitting with young college girls and we're going through their history, my heart just drops into my stomach, Kelly, when I hear things like, all the kids were talking about it. So I was curious and I searched on my phone. And, you know, normally in that context, they are talking about pornography. A lot of my college girls are using or have used porn. Um, it, It could also be cutting or body image issues or eating disorders. I have seen that before. And do you know what one of my like very first protocols is as a, as a counselor? It's a social media fast when she's with me. And do you know what I always hear when I check their homework? Yeah, it's hard, but I didn't realize how much it impacted my negative thinking. Right. Kelly, these teenagers and these young adults are ultimately set up for failure because they're handed a device without ever being trained on how to use it. 
It would be like giving them a car without teaching them how to drive, and then when they crash, we blame them. Or it would be like feeding them McDonald's every night for dinner and then yelling at them when they're overweight and sick. But we never told them, hey, you should choose the salad over the burger, right? right? Yeah. It comes back to a lot of what we're doing as parents. Right. So we are fooling ourselves to doubt that these social contagions are real. They may not be happening in your home yet, but they are happening around us, in our communities, in our churches, and in our schools. And now we could list, as we have many times before, all the stats and the research that's been done that shows you know, that mental health crisis among young people is at a critical point. But I think you know this. I think it's more important right now to recognize that the content-driven life, which is now the accepted norm for adolescents, right? We don't even look twice at a teenager who just does nothing but stares and scrolls. That is the accepted, sadly, that is the accepted norm. But we need to recognize that that content-driven life is negatively affecting all the young people around us, even if they make it look like they're fine. In 100 ways or more, online content causes destruction in those whose lives revolve around it. The only reason we at Brave Parenting can think of, of why someone would still be allowing unlimited and unrestricted access to online content during young adolescence is that you just don't believe that it leads to negative outcomes. And maybe that is you, and, or maybe it's someone that you know. Maybe you, you don't know anyone that has had negative impact. And so this just really sounds like a lot of doom and gloom theory, you know, this talk of social contagions. And, but I really want everyone to kind of hear me on this is that the resulting destruction that these social contagions bring about, they are so isolating for parents. They do not feel, most parents do not feel that they can open up and talk about what is really going on in their kids' lives. Because in, in that way, the social contagion of, of living a perfect Instagram life, even as parents, has infected us, right? And so we don't want to talk about, hey, my kid has an eating disorder. Hey, my kid is struggling with transgenderism. You know, hey, I think my, my kid is addicted to drugs. I think, I mean, th these are hard topics. And I guarantee you, there are heartbroken, devastated parents who are so fearful of being judged that they're not talking about it. But it needs to be talked about. Because if we think about it, like, who really wants to admit that maybe you allowed your child to spend too much time consuming online content and now they've fallen prey to the social contagion? Who really wants to admit that their child is suicidal, you know, that they've radically aligned with a terrorist group? I mean, these things are really happening, but no one wants to talk about it. And it's not only because we as parents have handed the phone over too early or we didn't put strict enough controls on the internet access. That's not the sole reason. It's because online content is no longer neutral when the algorithm holds the reins. The algorithm exploits the adolescent's brain's desire for community and relationships. That algorithmic driven content alters, it alters the brain's capability to be in reality, to be present, think for themselves, to regulate themselves. And you know, while we recognize this is all altering their quote mental functions, we know as Christians that the heart is the seat of all thoughts, all emotions, and will. And as we discussed in thoroughness in our episode on the heart, our biblical worldview and online content collide right there at the heart. 
it always just kind of like hits me right between the eyes when we say the heart is the seat of all thoughts, emotions, and will, because I immediately think that's the space that Christ died for. It really should be our goal and our drive and our desire to protect it in our kids because it was so sacred and so it, it, it's what he came for, right? To bring us back into a right relationship with the Lord. Okay, so parents, we have defined what a content-driven life looks like. We've identified that social contagions dominate when online content drives the heart of a person. And these social contagions are spreading through online content. They're often very negative. They're very harmful. We've also identified how a content-driven life isn't a sole result of an individual or the parents, although there definitely is a role in it. But it is, in fact, driven by the algorithms, which dictates the content that's viewed. So frankly, the content-driven life is caused by a multifaceted cluster of contributing factors that can be narrowed down to one source, Satan. Satan seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And this is exactly what's happening to young people today who are living in a content-driven life. Their innocence is stolen, their self-worth is killed, and their physical bodies and mental health is destroyed. Therefore, we have to be looking at this biblically. We are a people of God, and so we need to go back to the word and we need to understand what's going on biblically. Let's look at this now through the lens of scripture. Right, right. And we're going to go back to the heart, right, Cal? That's, That's exactly right. what we're going to do. Exactly. Yeah, for good or bad, our heart is always interacting with the world around us. That's what we really emphasized back in our episode on the heart. If you haven't listened, go back and listen to that one. And that is why the Bible commands us over and over to guard our heart, Proverbs 4, 23, because it can be influenced. Our hearts can get confused. Our hearts can be lied to. Our hearts can be manipulated all by what it's focused on, which for our adolescents, their entire focus is online content. But it's equally important, I think, to recognize that just as much as we can be influenced, so too we have the potential to influence others. And that's a big deal because we're commanded in scripture to not think of just ourselves. The world doesn't revolve around me. The world doesn't revolve around everybody individually. We are to think of others as more highly than ourselves. Philippians 2, 3 through 5. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves. Mark 12, 31. There is no instruction, no commandment to look out only for your own interests, to take care of only yourself, or to even exalt yourself, to put yourself on a platform, to put yourself up for worship. But this is exactly what we see in online content. So in fact, let's just go through a few. Scripture teaches the exact opposite of this. Romans 12, 10. Says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor. Galatians 6:10 says, So then, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially those who are in the household of faith. Goodness, you see Christians tearing each other apart because they just fall into some different camp on some <laughs> different uh, ideology or something that maybe is completely non-salvific. Matthew 23, 12 says, whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. Whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Humility is not promoted in online content. I don't find it. I don't know if I've seen it. Can't find it. Yeah. (laughs) And equally, James 4, 10 says, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. We are not to be exalting ourselves. But the reality is these biblical truths, which I just stated, I mean, these are pretty basic ones that we as Christians generally know. Whether or not you knew the reference to them, you know these truths as a Christian. 
They are not known by today's adolescents. They're not taught, and they're definitely not lived out in the online content that they see. Therefore, they're not believed. I would even say, frankly, they're not even on their radar. They are being fed a different gospel. They are being fed a gospel of social media, a false gospel of social contagion and online content. And this is because sin reigns. Sin reigns online. It, it really does. Yes, there is good. There are resources. There are businesses. There's all the utility functions that we can no longer live without in our society that we find online. But when it comes to the connection of people and the sharing of lives and ideas, sin reigns. Satan has taken what, what we know from the Westminster Catechism that, that asks the question, what is the chief end of man? The very first question of the West, Westminster Catechism, the answer is to worship God and enjoy him forever. Well, Satan has twisted that and the gospel of online content and social contagion is now being fed to people that is saying, worship self and enjoy ourselves forever. Worship ourselves and just be happy, right? Happiness is the end goal, your personal happiness. And this pervasive message online is all about self. Love yourself, find yourself, be true to yourself, self-identify, and so on. And when this, me- this, is, when this is the message that you see every day, it becomes your gospel truth. Just like when you or I, Chelsea, are in God's word every day, right? We are transformed by gospel, true gospel truth. But unfortunately, the opposite is equally true. And we can't deny this. This false gospel of online content that says worship self and enjoy yourself forever also transforms. And because we know that the self cannot be the problem and the solution, because our human problem is sin. That is our human problem. So because of that, the answer cannot be more sin. That does not solve the problem. All that young people are left with after consuming this false gospel of online content is nihilism. That is hopelessness. And of course, the love of self. These are two insufferable burdens that is too much for them to bear. I think you're spot on. If we look at nihilism first, which you mentioned is the loss of all hope and meaning, it's easy to see how this is spread through online content. More than any other generation before, young people are fed a constant barrage of bad news. It's, it's the climate change. It's the recession, COVID and the repercussions of the lockdown, the wars that are going on, the riots, the school shootings, the growing political animosity and more, right? If I were a teenager and this is what I was consuming, yeah, I would, I would think it's pretty bleak. It's pretty hopeless. How can a child or a teenager bear this amount of global news? As a counselor, I've asked many of my adult counselees to fast not only from their platforms, but from the news as well, while I spend six to seven weeks with them because they can't even handle this burden of constant global news. And in that massive list of bad news, we didn't even touch on the burden of being exposed to sexually explicit material, the fact that they're Um, They're comparing their bodies or themselves to millions of other lives that inevitably leads to harsher and harsher criticism and judgment of themselves. Like there is so much that these kids cannot bear. We are asking them to carry like 10,000 pound weights and they can't do it. Yeah. They can't do it. So yeah. And then you and I can watch the look at the global news and we just kind of laugh because we have our biblical worldview and we know we still have hope, right? But a lot of people let's just maybe play the devil's advocate here. A lot of people say, you know, the world has always been this hard. 
and it's always had tough circumstances and life is just tough. That's just what it is. And these kids need to stop being snowflakes. It's, it's not online content. It's just that they're weak. Yeah. And I would say, you know what? You're right. It always has been bad. Like the world is just broken. And that's something that's observable in every single worldview. We all know there's a problem, right? The difference is in the past, life has always been hinged to religion. Religion has always offered answers to the questions that are foundational to existence because you know what? Truth can be known. And if there's truth, then there's purpose. But right now, we're living in a postmodern society, which is effectively destroying institutions like religion and family, which for centuries have angered men, women, and children. Why can't adolescents recognize social contagions and the unhealthy behavior of living a content-driven life? Because our postmodern world tells them that there is no truth and there is no purpose. You know, those four scriptures that you listed above, those are just words to them. They're not truth. And when there is no truth that's woven into the fabric of their hearts, there can be no place for emotions that can be regulated or for reality to be centered. Hence, hopelessness and meaningless reigns. So this cultural moment is like a perfect storm for kids. It is a constant barrage of bad news. It is trauma through porn or sexually explicit material. It is harsh and detrimental self-judgment by comparison. And then there's postmodern ideology through TikTok and other platforms, which destroy society-stabilizing institutions. And that leaves individuals with a meaningless existence. And all of that influence on the heart, it produces depression. It produces anxiety and dysmorphia and abuse and hatred and confusion and hopelessness. So as Christians, this is what we see. Like, it's the difference between the root and the fruit. Like, that's all the fruit that we just talked about. The anxiety, the dysmorphia, the the abuse. That's what you're producing because there's a root of meaningless and hopelessness in your heart. And this is where online content absolutely loses its neutrality. Without a foundation of truth, all online content can become a destructive social contagion, Kelly. Right. And, you know, the opposite belief as us is going to say, yes, there's a social contagion, but it's not the online content. It's um, systemic racism. It's all these other things, right? So we have to acknowledge that, that the other side, <laughs> whether that be the non-Christian side, whatever side you want to say, people who do not believe that it's online content and therefore they're just giving their kids constant online content at age, you know, 10, they just believe it's a different route. They do. Yeah. But they and they don't they don't discuss the heart. That's the problem is they're just looking at other fruits that produce other fruits in other people, which doesn't make any sense. But, you know, it is what it is. So let me just briefly talk on the second way that Satan seeks to steal, kill and destroy, because the first one is this hopelessness and meaningless of nihilism. And the second is this self-love. And we have talked about self-love a lot. So I'll kind of kind of try and keep it brief. But the love of self and the worship of self drives so much online content. And it's simply for the sake of being envied, adored, liked, loved, whatever that reason. Social contagions are fundamentally built on the bedrock of self-love. Just look, look at any of these social contagions. Okay, let's start with eating disorders, disordered eating, body image issues. All of that revolves around the self. It is about me and my body, my image, how I see myself, Even if you were to take the self-harm contagion, it's still a focus on self because self-hatred is still a form of self-worship. The lie that loving yourself and seeking your happiness at all costs as the end goal 
it drives young people into terrible and dangerous behaviors that are completely lost from reality. And it drives their heart into total despair and depression. Because again, the self cannot be the problem and the solution. So online consumption, you know, it just feeds this heart. And when the heart is fed this diet of harmful content and lies, the result is hopelessness. And what we see, complete breakdown. It's a complete breakdown. You can't look at young people today, the majority. I mean, there are always some who are really thriving. But the majority and say, this is a great generation. They are just thriving. No, there's a complete breakdown. Especially when you look at it from the Christian standpoint. They do not have a biblical worldview. They are not walking with the Lord. They are completely walking away from Christ. But we, as parents, we can help. We have a supreme job to do. And we can do it. We can do this by, you know, avoiding, helping our children avoid that battle that is going to rage in themselves, in their hearts, because of the media that they consume. We need to hold it back. We need to wait. We need to limit. We need to diligently teach them that. God ascribes worth, ascribes value and purpose to their lives, not the millions of people on social media. That is not where they find their worth. We need to teach them that as image bearers of of Christ, they can be brought into his kingdom and identify as children of God, right? The gospel of Jesus Christ, that is the gospel of truth. It is the only, the only counter to this false gospel of social media, online content and social contagions. So if you're like us, at this point in the podcast, this entire topic is totally depressing. Am I right? It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty awful. I mean, it's reality, it is but reality. it's just not, it's, it's not fun. It's not fun. It's hard work. It is hard. And it's hard to talk about. Like, it's really hard to, I would prefer to keep my head in the stand and pretend everything's okay. Yes, a lot of people do. They don't want to talk about these social contagions. That's what I loved about that Dove Beauty ad is they're bringing it so out into the forefront saying this is what's happening. And they even say at the end of it, social media is destroying the body image of young girls. Oh my gosh. I love that they are bringing these dark things into the light because that's what we should be doing. As people, we should be in Ephesians 5 people where we say, you know what? We're not going to let these dark things lurk or we're not going to let these things lurk in the dark. We're going to bring them into light because, because as people of God, We know that there is healing and there is redemption and that there is salvation when they are brought into the light, right? When we can deal with them effectively. So this is what we know. We have hope. We know our worth in Jesus Christ. We know it's easy to despair and say, how on earth do we fight this? Well, we need to recognize that this isn't about our children's behaviors and choices. It's about all children. It's about all adults. And it is definitely about the kingdom of God. The fight against content-driven lives needs to happen in everyone's home, together in the church, alongside your neighbors in community. This is not a single person's effort. It is a Mm -hmm. group and community effort. And once again, one of the best practices we're going to start with is withholding major access to online content until they're 16. So yeah, will you be able to restrict them all the time and in all ways? No, that's, that's not, that we can't do that. Does that mean they're never going to watch YouTube until they're 16? No, probably not. But keeping it off their phones and out of your homes as much as possible, it's pretty imperative. And while in the meantime, keeping them grounded in reality, so you inoculate them with the truth. You teach them how Satan lies, steals, kills, and destroys. You teach them truth that can be known through 
apologetic books. I love Frank Turek's I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. He has a wonderful student edition. You, you teach them the importance of real-life relationships, not just digital communities. You remind them of their identity in Christ. You educate them on media's competition for dominance and the power to influence. Inform them on how the algorithm works and, and dictates the content that's seen. You help your children practice and exert self-control and willpower against the negative influences. Yeah, those are great. And most importantly, you have to incorporate family worship through catechism or devotional, and you have to teach them how to worship God in soul, strength, mind, and heart. I know it sounds kind of weird. Like that's not something we, we traditionally do right now as, as modern day Christians incorporate family worship. It sounds a little outdated, maybe a little too orthodox. I get that. But in love, I tell you that it's a lie of the enemy to believe that this is something we don't do, that it's weird or it's outdated. This is something we do as Christians because we're called to worship him 24-7 um, in spirit and in truth. So if we have any hope of raising up believers who are faithful warriors for the kingdom of God, if we love our kids enough to want them to find salvation in Christ and eternity in heaven, then we have to fight the false gospel of social media and online content with the one offensive weapon we are given. And Ephesians 6 tells us what that is. It is the word of God. We have to be in scripture with our kids, girding them with the truth that has existed for all eternity, Kelly. Yeah. Amen. Amen. This is so, this is so true. And this can, this, what we're telling you, I mean, you probably think this is just too much. I can't do it. One thing at a time, just take the next right step. Maybe that's, you know, I thought I was going to give a phone when they, you know, got to high school at 14 and I'm just not going to do that now, you know, or I thought I might do this or, you know what, we're going to start doing devotionals, you know, maybe one day a week, you know, it's going to be awkward, but we're just going to do it. It's just one right thing. This is how we can fight social contagions. This is how we change the tide, that we break the trend of content-driven lives that are perpetually being destroyed by the enemy, these kids' lives because of online content. Now, as we wrap up, I also want to really encourage all of you brave parents to be open and non-judgmental ears to every parent you come upon in your community, in your church, in your family, in whatever networks that you are surrounded in. Because we know, because we are on sort of a receiving end of despair. People come to us in, in despair. And there are so many parents that are drowning in despair over the state of their kids. Their kids have lived a content-driven life and they have been driven to some sort of social contagion that they are self-destructing. And it is heartbreaking for parents. I've mentioned this earlier. No one wants to just come out right and talk about this, but it needs to be discussed because once it's out into the light, once we bring this out into the open, God can bring healing. That is where it is found. So maybe, maybe you know someone and you think that this may be the case. Open the door. Open the door and ask them authentic, real questions about what they might be going through so that they can start talking about it. Because again, that's where healing is found. And maybe, they, maybe this person knows the Lord, maybe they don't. But no parent wants to watch their child fall apart. No child wants to see their kid become depressed, suicidal, self-destructive. We need to love these parents. I guarantee you when you start talking about this, honest and heart-wrenching stories are going to flow. And that is what we need. We need to know that we're not alone so that we can bravely fight together. 
everything. Everything is easier in community, whether you are withholding smartphones as a community, you know, of maybe 10, 11, you know, year olds, you're doing that together. Or maybe you are withholding social media in a group of, of friends or a class or whatever that looks like. Everything is easier in community. So if we as parents can, especially as Christians, right, we need to take off our masks. We need to humbly admit that this is hard. And this is harder than any of us can do alone. The internet is a beast. It can be a gentle beast and provide us all sorts of great utility. But when it comes to our kids, we need to join together and fight this life of online content. I believe together, as we do this, we can see changes in the next generation that are going to rise up and they're not going to be living living content-driven lives. And they're going to live by the truth. And that's the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is not the lies of the false gospels that are spread online. So again, we, have, we gave you a lot of potential to-dos. Remember, the next right step. If you haven't watched the Dove video, go check that out. I'm going to link all of the scripture, all of the resources that we mentioned in the show notes. So make sure you check that out. Make sure you share this with friends because we all need to hear this. We all need to be reminded that it's not me. I didn't fail. The, <laughs> I'm fighting a, an online bat, a battle with online content that is, is almost too much to bear, but nothing is impossible with Christ. So, all right, friends, until next week, go and be brave. Be brave.